Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Brian, I'm back uh, with my longtime friend Steve Tatalani. Steve and I go back to the uh, mid '80s, sometime decades ago, and we've been in touch uh, every now and then ever since then. But see, why don't you say hi and, and give people a little bit of information on your background, maybe leading up to your college days? Oh, hi, Brian. Uh, you know, as we had t- talked before, I grew up in the Denver area and, and went to North High School. And I wanted to make sure I get that in there because uh, growing up in North Denver during the uh, 60s and 70s was quite exciting, that's for sure. Well, I went to University of Colorado and I actually have a BS in civil and environmental engineering. And the environmental engineering part of it was really water quality, so I'm glad I didn't end up in that space. I thought that's what my BS was in, and, yeah. and, uh, and but I did enjoy all the other classes and things that I took. And when I was at CU and getting ready to graduate, uh, there was a, a gentleman, Kurt Seeley, and he represented, I think he was the principal at Chen and Associates, and he said, hey, when you graduate, why don't you come to work for us? And I said, that's a great offer. And I was kind of interested in soils and, and rock mechanics. And I went to work for Chen and Associates. And, uh, you know, I did the field work and I was kind of like a field engineer for them. And before I had taken that job at Chen, I'd splashed my resume all over the place. And I was at Chen for about uh, three months and I got a call up from Ray Statham, a, a gentleman that you know and we both worked for for years. And he said, Steve, I saw your resume here. And uh, he said, your dad actually worked for a public service company, and my wife knows him. Uh, Would you be interested in talking to us about a job? And I said, sure, Ray. You know, I have a position right now, but it it doesn't hurt to talk to you. So I went in to meet him at the Denver Research Center, and we had a great conversation. And during that meeting, he also called down Dennis DeLuner, who is still a good friend of mine to this day. Yeah. And Dennis had a slot open, and we kind of hit it off. And lo and behold, I was about uh, one week out of that interview, and I got a call from OPM, and they said, hey, we'd like to offer you a position at the Denver uh, Federal Center working for the U.S. Bureau of Mines. And I said, well, that's fantastic. I said, let me think about this a little bit. And believe it or not, even back in those days, I had to take a little cut and pay to go to work for the government. Now, mm, you're mm. supposed to say, of course you did. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but the benefits were, you know, so much better. And, uh, you know, it was a longer term kind of a, a gig. And it was in the research business. And I really thought it was a good fit. And so I told Kurt, who had hired me, I said, hey, I've got an opportunity to go to the Bureau of Mines. And he says, what are you still doing here? He said, <laughs> I think that's a great opportunity for you. And of course, I started out in the rock mechanics lab at the Bureau of Mines, working for Frank Carino, working for Dennis DeLiner. I worked for Lou Panic. I mean, all big names in the rock mechanics field and were my mentors and and really taught me a lot. And about my second or third year in at the Bureau there, they talked to me and they said, hey, 
we've got a program here. If you would like to continue your education, we'll pay for your tuition and, and give you some time off to take classes. And so I applied at uh, Colorado School of Mines and I also applied down at the University of Colorado, Denver. And I had an old professor down there, uh, Jane, who was a great mentor of mine, a great supporter of mine. And he said, hey, I'll get you into the graduate school here. So I took my master's classes down there when I could. Of course, you know, back in those days at the U.S. Bureau of Mines, we traveled a bunch. Uh, yeah. We'd be gone for two, three, four weeks at a time, and I'd have to call up the professor and say, hey, I'm going to be gone for two or three weeks. But they worked for me, mm. and they worked okay. with me. Okay. And then uh, to finish up that degree, about uh, six years later, I finally did complete my master's degree down there in civil and in, uh, geotechnical engineering. So, which I thought was a pretty nice accomplishment, being I did work full time and, and I did have to take all my classwork. I did a research paper on the ultrasonic measurement system, which was a project I was working on at the Bureau, so it all fit together pretty nice. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. you, you were uh, a key in me getting my second degree, undergraduate degree, uh, getting the approvals through for that. I, I was a two-week uh, geology, geological engineering field camp away from getting that second degree, and you, you made it happen. Yeah, and and I was glad to, and I did feel like I was kind of mentor. I was in that one stop, that kind of missed gap in the Bureau of Mines. We had all these older guys. We had a few younger guys coming in, and I was kind of in between there. Yeah. And so we were able to bring three or four guys in after me, and of course you guys were all tremendous help to, to all of us uh, with our research projects. And of course it was good that you guys got to go to school too. So when I hired on there, there were six guys my age that all got on with the U.S. Bureau of Mines. And, you know, the ones that are still going were still in contact today and, mm. and uh, you know, I guess you make friendships forever, and we've talked about this in the past. We not yeah. only worked together at the Bureau of Mines, but we were kind of like a family. We did social stuff together. We enjoyed each other's company, and, you know, towards the last part of my Bureau career, I was the principal investigator on four roof control projects. This was after I completed a year under Brian Brady in the micro seismics. And I think Brian went to actually teach at the University of Colorado after the Bureau closed down. So, hmm. of course, that was a shock to all of us when that announcement was made. Oh, yeah. But luckily, about a year before that, Ed Hollop, who was the director at the time, I had kind of started playing around with cable bolts and cable bolt technology. Yeah. And I knew that cement grouted cable bolts had never worked in a coal mine. I said, there's got to be a way that we can get these things up through a resin cartridge, develop the capacity of the cable, and just get on with it, you know, in 30 seconds, mm -hmm. and one minute till the resin sets. Yeah. Well, I started working with a guy named Doug Gillespie at the Rocky Mountain Bolt Company. He was quite innovative, and him and I had many discussions, and we actually met it and a mine a couple times at West Elk, and we came up with a few ideas. We made it work, and then when the Bureau announcement came down that it was closing, yeah. they went ahead and said, 
uh, Doug called me up that night and I says, well, Doug, it looks like they're closing the bureau. And he says, I don't know why you're worried. He says, you're coming to work for me. So <laughs> I said, that sounds fantastic. I said, but I really don't want to move to Salt Lake City. Yeah. And he said, no, you stay right there in, in Golden and you just be my technical service manager there. I'll give you a piece of the company. And every year that you stay, I'll add another piece. And, and uh, you know, that's that's how I had my career at Rocky Mountain Bolt, and it was fantastic. And you know, Doug and I still talk just as recently as last week. So he's 83 now, and mm. just sharp as he always was. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So then, after XL or uh, Rocky Mountain Bolt, XL Mining Systems purchased Rocky Mountain Bolt. I think they thought we might be onto something with these <laughs> resin grouted cable bolts. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, we had the IP in place. We had pretty strong patent protection. Mm. Uh, we had proven the system out in the east at some console mines. Uh, people were telling us they'll never work. Uh, nobody's ever going to do it. You got to cement grout them, or they're they're not going to be effective. And lo and behold, I guess we weren't as, as crazy as people thought. <laughs> so, XL purchased the company. I became a technical service man, like a vice president of technology for yeah. XL Mining Systems. I got to stay out in Colorado and yeah. just loved the work I was doing, kind of introducing that technology, doing ground control assessments, kind of the stuff I do, you know, uh, 25 years later. Okay. So, yeah. lo and behold, is uh, when XL Mining Systems started being very... Uh, you know, making some substantial money, uh, doing a great job with cable bolts and ground support systems. Uh, they were purchased by an Australian company, ANI. So ANI Industries, which is a steel company back there, hmm. uh, they purchased uh, XL Mining, and lo and behold, I had another boss. <laughs> and so. The managing director, as they like to refer to themselves in Australia, said, yeah. I think that you need to move to Caddis, Ohio. That's where Excel's headquarters were. And this was about, in, oh, 1996. Mm. The bureau was just getting ready to finally close down. Yeah. And my wife and my kids were still young at the time. I, I, I ran it by her and she said, you know what? I think we're ready for an adventure, huh. uh, you know? let's go ahead and let's take a look at it. So I drove her out to Caddis, Ohio, and if you've ever been out there before, she started crying. <laughs> and I said, uh, it's not gonna be that bad, Patricia. And <laughs> lo and behold, I drove up the road about 10 miles and we found a, a nice city on the highway called St. Clairsville, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And it had a mall and it had a Taco Bell and it looked like two or three restaurants and we could get a yeah. pizza delivered. Yeah. And she said, I could think I could live with this. <laughs> so, lo and behold, we moved out there about a year later and 20 years later, uh, we still lived in St. Clairsville, Ohio. So we loved it out there and, and mm -hmm. our kids were basically raised out there. And they went to school out there, and that's why I think we reverted back to to the eastern U.S. here recently. Uh, but okay. of course, the ride with XL was, or with uh, A and I was exciting because they sold to Morgan Steel about two years later, mm. and then in 1998, Morgan Steel said, "Ah, we're going to divest ourselves of this ground control roof support business. It's really not what we do well, yeah. and so we're going to sell it." At that time, we had five divisions, and I would worked myself up to the global technology manager for all five divisions. Wow. And it was a great role, and I really enjoyed working mm -hmm. with the people that I was working with. And so after all the cotton and drying was done, everybody wanted to purchase the rest of 
uh, Schmorgan except the U.S. component. Bruce Cassidy, who was the president of Excel at the time, said, guys, we've got a chance, I think, to buy this business on a fire sale price. Mm. He said, would you be interested in being uh, one of the principal owners? And so we put our heads together and we did a management buyout. We bought back uh, XL Mining, the U.S. component from Smorgan Steel. And it was a hell of an investment. And we can leave that on the tape. Sorry about that. No, that's a great story to tell. That's, so, a, that's and, a wonderful uh, story. Purchased the, the business and, and we built it up and eventually that business was sold for about $640 million. So wow. it was a fantastic investment. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Well, while I was at Excel, an old friend of mine called, contacted me, Tom Muko. And Tom Muko was working at NIOSH. He was the branch chief of the ground control division. And he said, Steve, we would really like to get you back in the government. We're looking for somebody to be a group supervisor and then you can be a research supervisor and you can take my job here when i retire and i said well tom i just love it here i'm i'm doing everything i want commuting back and forth to pittsburgh which was an hour each way seemed like an awful lot to me yeah well they finally made an offer i couldn't refuse mm. and before that had taken place i'd started working on my phd under sid Payne. So Sid was a mentor and advisor to me, and he said, you need to get your PhD. He said, that's the only way you're going to get credibility in the consulting world, in the ground control arena. And so I had started my PhD at West Virginia University. Mm -hmm. And it was probably about a year, year and a half from uh, finishing it up. And of course, the NIOSH at the time gave me the same offer. I couldn't refuse. We'll pay for it. Yeah. go to class during the day the whole nine yards, so I did end up getting my PhD in 2003 from uh, West Virginia University of Mining Engineering. Yeah, fantastic. So I ended up just as planned. I took over that uh, ground control position from uh, Tom. I was the branch chief out there. Uh, I finished up about six more years at NIOSH, and I did. Uh, I just kind of wanted to do something different. I decided to retire from NIOSH. I had 22 years of government service between what I had at the Bureau of Mines and NIOSH mm. and was, you know, young enough still I was, uh, I could retire early, get a, a decent pension, but I didn't stay retired long and they, <laughs> that's how it is, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rory Harris called me up. He was the president and CEO of uh, Minova. And Minova's a big ground control company, and he said, hey, I hear you're retiring. And I said, yeah, Rory, I said, I figure, you know, I've, I've got enough. I said, the kids are doing fantastic. I like to enjoy life. And he said, you're not retiring. He says, you're coming to work for me. <laughs> and I said, okay. And he said, uh, come down here and meet with me. And he was just, you know, so exciting, and he talked about the future, and I was going to be the R&D manager for Minova, which was a big uh, global company, and and everything just fell into place, and I accepted that position, and uh, I started out as the global technology manager uh, for Minova. Minova is a subsidiary of Orica, which is the largest explosive company in the, in the world, 
And, uh, you know, I've been at Manova now 12 years this summer, so it's, it's hard to believe how fast time goes. So, no, I didn't get to retire. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm enjoying what I'm doing, so I'm going to keep doing it until yeah. they tell me they're not having fun with me or I'm not having any fun. Yeah, no, I think that's the way you got to do it. If you're still having fun, why would you, why would you quit? Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of like my family, too. We talked about it before. These are the guys that I work with, I play with. Uh, I love their company, and so I continue to do it, and I still think I have a lot to offer. Yeah. So that pretty much tells you where I'm at in my career. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And uh, a really nice success story that ended in several successes. It wasn't just one success. You went from success to success that so was really nice to hear yeah it, well, it's been quite a ride and i tell people i was lucky but i also you know i don't tell them the hours that we put in and and you travel a lot too right. i mean i gave up a lot uh, i missed a lot when the kids were growing up and you know you have regrets about that and i mean but that's just part of the business that's the mining world it so, is yeah very much so and, uh, you know, I've, I've seen the whole world, and, I mean, it's been fantastic, and, and what a beautiful ride I've been on. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, you, you never want to look back and say, I wonder what would have happened if I would have, you know, done this, done, done more <laughs> of that, uh, you know, seen the world, travel, get outside. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine being a, a soils engineer at Chenin Associates and still doing those field site projects. So yeah. Going yeah. out there and doing standard penetration tests and nuclear yeah. density testing. Mm -hmm. So I really made the right choice and I still thank uh, Ray Statham and Dennis to this day for, for you know providing this opportunity to me. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you know what, uh, I was thinking back to my days at the Bureau of Mines and, and this will probably crack you up. I don't know if you remember this, but my first day at the bureau I showed up in a three-piece suit I do remember <laughs> <laughs> you look really good <laughs> and you just drove in, driven in too I think you were yeah. it looked like you slept on the couch I mean, it was a nice suit but it was pretty wrinkled up I think you, you were slept in your car on a couch somewhere if I'm, if I'm right yeah well, I, I was sleeping on my living on my parents couch at that time <laughs> And, See? and uh, back in those days, it was like an hour and a half drive from from the Denver Research Center. Oh, yeah, so. uh, could you imagine that with the traffic now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. two days to get there. Oh, yeah, it sure would. It sure would. Yeah. Well, Steve, no, I really enjoyed hearing that story, and I had a couple of questions to put in front of you. So uh, one of them... After listening to that uh, story of, of all your uh, positions and everywhere you've been, what has been your most challenging project over those last 40 years? Phew. I'll tell you, the, the most challenging project I had for a number of reasons was I took a job. I was working for Rocky Mountain Bolt Company, and they asked me to come down there and help introduce cable bolting and ground support work at the Macari mines down in uh, Piedras Negras, Mexico. Mm. And not only did I have to uh, travel down there, but I actually lived down there in a hotel. And at that time, my kids, I think my daughter must have been in first grade, maybe second grade, my son not even in school yet. And so it was not, the difficulty of the project was we had about 300 foot of overburden 
it was some of the softest roof that I've ever encountered. Mm. And we mm. had used posts and beams, Pelotti con Viga, yeah. for years and years and years. And we were trying to change the paradigm down there, mm. convincing that you could use roof bolts, combination of roof bolts with cable bolts, and we could support these gate roads for you guys. They were two entry gate roads. They had long wall mining uh, capabilities, so that was exciting. Mm. But, uh, oh my goodness, it was being out of touch with my family. At that time, we didn't even have cell phone technology. Yeah. We had to cross over the border on the weekends, and I could call my wife from a Walmart at a payphone. So <laughs> that made yeah. it also a challenge. Yeah, no, I've, so, I've been in a similar situation. I was. Uh, in Uzbekistan for 45 days and, and we, we got to drive five hours on a gravel road one day to make a phone call back home yeah it yeah. was about a year off and on I would spend four or five weeks down there and then come home for a yeah. week yeah but during that process I met some guys that worked for Norwest and Al Hillard still a friend of mine he was kind of the operations manager we brought people down there that knew how to mine and knew how to root bolt. They bought brand new machines from Fletcher Company. Mm. Uh, they brought in bolts, they brought in resin, and we were very successful down there. We actually supported a, a gate road with bolts, cables, uh, straps, pans, the whole nine yards. They mined through it very successfully. Unfortunately, we weren't out of that operation probably three months, and guess what happened? They went back to posting beams. <laughs> they just did not have the confidence in the roof bolts, and uh, so it was a great success, yeah. but in the long term, it was a failure. That was yeah. probably the most challenging project that I was ever on. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. still have friends from Mexico that worked on that project with me. Mm, some expats or, or some, some Mexican nationals? Um, both. Yeah, I do. Rafael Mendoza is—he's—he's uh, he's very successful. He's actually worked for a couple consulting companies. He was the project engineer and kind of my translator. Not only am I in Mexico, but I don't even have barroom Spanish when I started down there. <laughs> so those guys interpreted for me. They were my friends. They looked after me, and and uh, you know that's what I say in this business. You got friends all over the world. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah, and and it is a very small world when it comes to mining. It sure is. Yeah, you, it you, sure you is. keep coming over, coming across the same good people all the time. Yeah, you run into them at conferences or you know on other job sites, and you just can't believe it. You you look each other up and down, and say, "Are you still working?" And I say, "You are." So <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we're getting near close to the end. Steve, but I uh, thought I'd throw this random question out to you. Uh, if you could have dinner with anybody in the world, who would you have dinner with? Oh boy, Brian, that, uh, you know, just quickly going over that, I just couldn't have a single dinner. I'd have to have a banquet. Yeah. And I've had so many mentors in my life that, you know, and the guys at the Bureau Mines, the Bob Ferraris, the Harold Farley's, the guys that taught me how to drill, how to install instrumentation, at that time, we did everything ourselves, and I think that's the skill set that I've carried on. And, and, you know, when I mentor these young guys now, being an engineer was not only 
knowing all of the science behind it, it was actually doing the work yourself so you could really understand it. I know you got an appreciation for that when you were at the Bureau. Sure. I remember you breaking up blocks with the jackhammer and look at how that resin next, look at how that resin anchored. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, once I got out of the once I got out of the three piece suit anyway. Yeah, it took you what I think a day. You were wearing <laughs> jeans and ready to work. So. Yeah, and the, just in steel-toed boots. Yeah, and then I, Perino in the rock mechanics lab taught yeah. me so much. Dennis Delinger talked about yeah. even Ron Gerlich, a, mm. a guy that you know worked in the labs out there. I worked with him. I supervised him. He was fantastic. And you know, later in life, I mentioned Doug Gillespie already. Yeah. Uh, you know, just has been a fantastic mentor. Tom Barzak, a friend of mine from NIOSH, we've known each other for 25 years. Uh, I'd have to have dinner with them, and I'd have to include my mom and dad. Unfortunately, they both passed away pretty young, mm. and they really didn't get to see everything that we've we've done as a family, and, and I'd like to share some of that with them. So that's well, probably, you know, a, a pretty hefty dinner, a big tap, but I'm happy to pay it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm positive that your parents will be very proud of what you've done with yourself. It's uh, been a fantastic career. Thanks. Yeah, and and just one one more uh, question. This is a uh, question I'm asking everybody now. And what what do you think about the future of space mining? If oh. you remember, Brian, we had uh, back in the time at the Bureau of Mines mining on the moon. It was a project, and there were two kind of guys, I think Lombardi and Poland were kind of heading that up. Mm. And at that time, I thought there was some real possibilities and some real, you know, future. It's really out there in the future quite a bit. But, you know, we're starting the spacecraft and the stuff that can get up and down there. I definitely don't have to worry about it, but I'll bet in the next 50, 75 years, there's somebody up there exploring a little bit, seeing what's on the moon. That's for sure. Yeah, one of the real prizes is the helium-3 that's in abundance there, and mm -hmm. that, that could be brought back and used for uh, nuclear fusion, which doesn't have any nasty radioactive waste left over from it. Oh, boy, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, mining in the ocean was always something that we talked about quite a bit too and to some extent we've done a little bit of that but i still think there's some huge opportunities in, in ocean mining you know, yeah the yeah i believe you're right and there's a lot of precious metals that just f float around in the ocean water as uh as uh just free particles yeah well steve it looks like we're coming up against the end of our time but if you had any Parting words uh, for the listeners. Uh, I'd be happy, happy for you to say that. No, I'm just, you know, I appreciate this, Brian, and, and getting back together with you and seeing you at conferences and stuff. It brings back a lot of uh, memories for me of my old bureau days. And, you know, I've, I'm enjoying the ride at Manova, and I'm sure our paths will cross again. So I look forward to seeing you in the future. Yeah, fantastic. And if our, any of our listeners want to get a hold of you, what, what are some good contact points for you? I, I'm on LinkedIn, but steve.tatalini at manovaglobal.com. That's uh, T-A-D-O-L-I-N-I -I at manovaglobal.com. So happy to revisit old friends and, and even make some new ones. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe even get a, a client out of the deal. 
Yeah, that's what I need. Some more business. I'm so busy <laughs> now I can hardly walk. <laughs> well, I hope you're not uh, drinking from the fire hose crazy busy. No, no, absolutely not. I've got to pace myself. So. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> All right. Well, fantastic, Steve. It's been great catching up with you. And we'll look forward to seeing you at the next conference. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Take yeah, care. Absolutely. You too. Thanks again, Steve. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.